Hi everyone, Pastor Michael here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I want to encourage you to use this resource in addition to, and not in place, of belonging to a local church body as you grow in your faith. If this sermon is a blessing, would you consider giving back to Springs Church? You could do that by giving on the app or by visiting the gift tab on our website at springs.church. I pray this sermon increases your passion for Christ and helps you grow in your walk with God. Well, good morning, Springs Church. So appreciate Pastor Michael's heart and just the heart of this church, not only for life and what we do at Life Network, but for the community that this church serves. And just, this is the second time that I'm here, but I leave inspired because uh, clearly you are not a church uh, that's coming in, hearing the word and going home uh, and not engaging. Um, it's just so inspiring uh, to me as somebody who serves at a parachurch organization. So thank you for that. And know this, the support and prayers of this church is what makes it possible for Life Network to help women and men who are facing unexpected pregnancies right here in our community. And this morning, I wanna to talk to you about holy disruptions and the faithfulness of God. So when I use the phrase holy disruption or holy disruptions, what do I mean? It's when you have a specific idea or plan for your life and it becomes clear that God's plan is different. How many of you have experienced that? Yeah, we all have at some time or another. We think we have a plan, we think we know the plan, and God makes it clear that he has other plans for us. And even my role as president at Life Network, I've had the privilege of uh, serving this ministry as president for the last six years, but my calling into this role was a holy disruption. I was serving right up the road at a little boutique ministry called Focus on the Family, and was part of the executive team there. And I love Focus on the Family, I love what we were doing, and we had an awesome team, they have an awesome team. Uh, but God made it clear uh, that he was creating a holy disruption in my life and taking me out of my comfort zone and moving me from there to here. And it is such a blessing to be in the building, in one of our pregnancy centers, where God moves actively every day. And I'm sure you could think of times in your own life, and maybe they were career-based or family-based or just something, something in your life where you had a plan and God made it clear he had a different one. And I wanna spend this morning talking about the disruption of an unplanned pregnancy, what it means for women, what it means for men, and I wanna do that by taking a fresh look at the story of the birth of Jesus. Now I know we're three weeks removed from Christmas, but hopefully you're like me and you really like Christmas. And I think we're, you're gonna find that we're gonna look at that story from a different perspective through the wide eyes of unexpected parents, Mary and Joseph. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are the author of life. We thank you that every human life is made in your image, knitted together in our mother's womb by you. And we know that our plans are not always your plans and that your plans are better. 
And Father, I would just pray that uh, we all would have ears to hear what you have for us here this morning. More than that, I pray that my words would bring you honor, bring you glory, and that they would be meaningful to each one here. We love you, Lord. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. So Mary and Joseph experienced the holy disruption of an unplanned pregnancy, and it comes complete with a, a visit from an angel. And to kind of set the stage here, I think it's helpful to think about the mentality that Mary and Joseph would have had at that time. So Mary is about to be married, and in the culture at that time, in Jewish culture at that time, um, it would be very normal to be married in your teen years. Mary's believed to be about age 15 at the time that she finds out um, that not only is she entering into marriage, but she finds out that she is pregnant. She would have been engaged to Joseph. The Bible, as we'll read here in a minute, uses the word betrothed, which is tantamount to marriage in Jewish culture. Uh, to separate after that point would require a divorce. But more than that, she has a vision as a bride-to-be. And those of us who have entered into marriage know what this is like, and maybe uh, some of us have to remember a little farther than others. But as you enter into marriage, you have natural things that you're thinking about. How is this gonna impact my life? Uh, Mary's wondering, am I gonna be a good wife to Joseph? Is Joseph gonna be a good husband to me? And this is likely her headspace given her moment in time and her plans at that point. Now, as we'll read, Mary was also a virgin. It was a priority for her not to have sexual relations prior to marriage. And this is actually a message that we get to deliver as Life Network through our Education for a Lifetime program, that the healthiest, the best, the wisest choice for young people is to save that for the context of marriage. Now, in a public school setting, we're able to share that, not because it's what the Bible says, but because it's what is medically true. And it turns out it aligns with scripture as well. But again, in a context of a school, we're focusing just on what is medically true, and uh, that reinforces biblical principles as well. Now, let's look at Joseph. He's about to be married. He's gonna be a husband to marry. He's wondering, am I ready to do that? He's also feeling the weight of taking care of Mary, of helping find housing for this new family to be. Is Mary gonna be a good wife? And so he's, he's entering that headspace as we head into these passages about the birth of our Savior. And I love, Pastor Michael's message on Christmas Eve, and he actually touched on one of the passages I'm gonna talk about this morning, Luke chapter one. And as he did at one of those Christmas Eve services, he said, this passage never gets old. And it's a good thing, because we're gonna revisit it this morning. So let's look at Luke chapter one, and we're gonna pick up with verse 26 in the ESV. And what we're about to read follows the news that Elizabeth receives that she's pregnant with John the Baptist, despite her advanced age. And we pick it up in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now I wanna pause here. Mary just had an angel come to her. And as is typically the case, when an angel visits somebody here on earth, it comes with some important instruction. Do not be afraid. It would have been alarming to be visited by an angel. And interestingly, that's actually the most frequently repeated command in scripture. Do not be afraid. I think that says something to us as believers as well. Now, her initial reaction is not, woohoo, I'm giving birth to the Son of God. Mary has some questions. Mary had a plan for her life at that time, and this plan did not include pregnancy at that time. Mary had a very different vision in that moment. How can this be since I'm a virgin? Reading in verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And I love those final words, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary gets reassured, help is on the way, and it's gonna take multiple forms. Most significantly, help is on the way in the form of the power of the Most High, the power of God that will overshadow her. And when we face holy disruptions in our own life, we have that same power the power of the Most High is with us. And that's true of the clients and the patients that we see at Life Network. The power of the Most High, if they seek it, will be with them. Mary's also gonna have an older mentor, a mentor parent to journey with her in Elizabeth. And Mary is hoping that she's still gonna have her husband-to-be, Joseph. And so Mary has the support of the power of the Most High, a parenting mentor in Elizabeth, and Lord willing, Joseph as well. And if you jump ahead a few verses, when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, we see something really interesting. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Here we have biblical affirmation of the value of life. And we learn that the first person to recognize Jesus on earth is a preborn. John the Baptist. I think that tells us something 
about the humanity of preborn children. So now let's look at Joseph. And for that, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, which reads this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And looking ahead at verse 24, we read this. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife. So Joseph had plan A. I'm going to be the husband of Mary. And then he finds out that Mary is pregnant and he switches to his own plan B. I'll quietly divorce her. He was not moving ahead with those marriage plans until an angel of the Lord comes to visit him. So we have the father and the mother of the Son of God, and their first reactions are not about the baby, but rather, what does this mean for me? Divine supernatural pregnancies up until that point had never occurred, and it takes an angel to convince Joseph to follow through with getting married. Now, God does remarkable things in our three pregnancy centers, and we'll share some of those this morning, but we don't see a lot of literal angels show up to change the minds of the women or the men that we see. And when it comes to the men that we see at Life Network, the most common thing we see, unfortunately, are men who have bought the lie of our culture that says men should disengage and men will say the decision is completely up to her. And what we find is that just further isolates the woman, the, the woman who's expecting that unexpected pregnancy. She now just feels further isolated. And I'm mindful of a couple that we served that I'll call Kim and Greg. And every time that somebody reaches out to us sharing that they're facing an unexpected pregnancy, we will encourage that mother to bring the father as well. And in this case, Kim did. And so Kim had an appointment and Greg had an appointment. And Kim was sitting with her patient advocate, and just down the hall was Greg sitting with one of our male advocates uh, by the name of Rob. And they begin to engage, and Rob hears the line that we hear so, so often from our men, the decision is up to her, and I will support her in whatever Kim decides. And Rob continues the conversation and just listens to where Greg is, and then when he's done, Rob says, you know, I appreciate what you've shared, Greg, but what is it that you want? What is it that you want for this situation? And Greg kind of being given permission to think about that, almost for the first time paused and he said, well, I want to be a dad. And Rob said, well, have you told Kim that? And he said, well, no. And so they went across the hall and the four of them, the two Patient advocates and Kim and Greg had a conversation and Greg shared that he wanted to be a father. 
From there, they went up the hall to our ultrasound room, met their baby via ultrasound, and that day, Kim and Greg chose to parent. You see, if you have an engaged mom and you have an engaged father, and they come face to face with the reality of life, nearly always, they are going to choose to parent. The circumstance of an unmarried woman and an unmarried man facing a pregnancy that they weren't anticipating plays itself out multiple times every day here in our community. Almost universally, these are people who may one day have a plan to be parents, but that day is not today. And almost half of the women that we see are considering abortion. In fact, every day of the year, there are at least seven women searching online for desperate options in the face of an unexpected pregnancy, and they find us instead. And they call, and they text, and they fill out an online form, and we at least get the opportunity to speak into that situation. And what leads these women to consider abortion? Well, we know through national data why that is, and our circumstances and our experiences at the pregnancy centers reinforce this. The top three circumstances that account for nearly all of the abortions in our country are these. Number one, interruption of education or work. And so uh, women will say, and we'll hear this, this just feels like the death of the plans that I have, education plans or work plans. And hand in hand with that is legitimate financial concerns. I'm barely making it now. I don't see how a baby in this situation is going to be well cared for. These are very real concerns. And those are the top two. And right after that is fear of single motherhood. The fear that a woman is gonna have to go through this alone. So imagine a woman hearing a well-intended, educated into response from a man of, it's your decision. She just hears that as further isolation. And that is one of the factors that could lead her to abortion. So these are very real, understandable barriers that women and men need to wrestle through if they're going to choose to parent. And if it's a situation where their father or the baby has disengaged, that just makes it all the more difficult. Now, in the cultural debate of abortion, there are circumstances that get argued over that might lead us to believe that these are the most common circumstances. And if you think about those who advocate for abortion rights, the circumstances that are most often referred to are pregnancies in the face of abuse, the just most horrific circumstances possible, circumstances that we see at times in our centers, uh, circumstances of rape or pregnancy out of abuse or incest. They are truly the most difficult circumstances. And the other is the physical health of the woman. There are times when pregnancy could cause uh, potentially death for women based on certain medical conditions. Those are the most horrific circumstances possible. And thankfully, they're extremely uncommon reasons that women have abortions. And we know that for a number of reasons, but statistically, just looking at the state of Florida. So the state of Florida, sadly, has the third most abortions in our country. 
In 2021, there were almost 80,000 abortions. So those of you who maybe have any kind of data background, it's uh, what you would call a, a valid statistical sample. And when we look at those 80,000 abortions, Florida by law tracks the why behind each one of them. Of those 80,000, those exceptional rare circumstances that I just mentioned, pregnancy out of abuse or physical health of the mother, account for one-third of 1% 1 of those abortions. That's not 3%, that's one-third of 1%. And because it's early, I will just tell you the math is it's about 250 of those situations. Now, for those 250 individuals, those require the most compassion, and those are incredibly difficult circumstances that, yes, God can still redeem. And thankfully, they are very exceptional. The circumstances that lead women most frequently to consider abortion are interruption to their education or career, financial concerns, or fear of single motherhood. And now I want to introduce you to one woman here locally who was facing all three of those this past year. Let's watch the screen and meet Cheyenne. You heard Cheyenne share about a sense of urgency that was sparked by the holy disruption of a dream. And as a result, beautiful Ivy Rose is one of 344 little lives that were saved across our three pregnancy centers this past year. And Cheyenne not only has sweet little Ivy, but a community of support has risen up around her. And at Life Network, through the generosity of churches like this one in our community, we have help available at all three of our centers for women like Cheyenne and for the fathers of those babies. We have material resources, and so just meeting those critical early material needs, crib, car seat, baby clothes, diapers, formula, and more, all of that is earned in the context of our parenting program. Women and men get paired with a parenting coach, somebody journey with that new mom or that new dad every other week as they enter into an experience that they weren't ready for or prepared for at that time. Our patients and clients also get to earn gift cards to our Life Network Family Thrift Store at Academy and Montebello. And if you haven't gotten a chance to visit that, uh, that not only serves the community, uh, but also our clients as they're earning gift cards there as well. We have professional counseling available. In fact, there was a young man that came up to me in the first service and said, I'm training to be a counselor. And we have people in their final year of their counseling program, as well as counselors uh, who are stepping in and being an additional voice above and beyond a parenting coach for our clients who have faced trauma, who are just going through especially difficult circumstances and need not only a coach, but that next level of care. And starting in March of this year, we're expanding our medical services so that women who need support in making sure they get proper prenatal care 
get that support and getting them connected, whether it's through Medicaid or otherwise, and ensuring through that first trimester that they get the care they need throughout that pregnancy. Beyond that, there is a community of resources that we refer our clients to. Uh, resources for food, resources for housing, resources for material goods above and beyond what we provide. And as we hit the home stretch this morning, I'm gonna talk about what does it look like to be a safe people, a safe place, a safe church for people facing unexpected pregnancies. And there's really five critical things for you to know. Number one, be ready and listen well. So in my first year at Life Network, I sat through a really interesting 90-minute presentation, research-based, from a group called the Vitae Foundation. And I will synthesize 90 minutes of data down to five words. Talk to her about her. Or if it's a guy, talk to him about him. Just like Mary and Joseph, people first are thinking about what does this experience mean for me? What does this experience mean for my circumstances, for my dreams? Talk to her about her, talk to him about him. Number two, show compassion and be non-judgmental. These are hard circumstances, and the young women and men who are facing them are scared. They're overwhelmed, and sometimes they've been abused, sometimes they're, they're feeling additional feelings of abandonment, and they're confused. You heard Cheyenne talk about a number of voices that were speaking into her, and so there's a lot happening. I think the fact that our Savior himself came from a non-traditional, non-idyllic background should serve as the foundation for us having compassion when we hear about someone facing an unexpected pregnancy. And if you think about back to that time and context, people at that time would not have understood or in most cases believed in a virgin birth. And in fact, when we look at John chapter eight, verse 41, the Pharisees are challenging Jesus and they're trying to trap Jesus. And one of the Pharisee leaders in verse 41 has this little zinger. We were not born of sexual immorality. Or in the NIV, it reads, we are not illegitimate children. That's intended as a ding on Christ's lineage. Jesus not only knew what it was like to walk among us, he knows what it is to be part of an unplanned pregnancy and the potential stigma attached to that. As Christians, because we've experienced God's grace, we should be the least judgmental people on earth. At our three centers, it's without judgment that we care for those who are facing circumstances like an unexpected pregnancy. And we're meeting women and men at their point of need and help, helping them see that there's a better way ahead for them and ultimately their baby. Number three, offer practical help. That practical help is not only your listening ear, but offering to take them to the closest pregnancy center, offering to be there in the wake of that. Offer practical help and know that we have resources not only at Life Network, but we'll refer 
patients to an abundance of resources here in our community. Number four, share truth. The medical reality is a baby's heartbeat and brain waves in a preborn baby begin at three weeks' time. And modern medicine has caught up to revealing that uh, earlier and earlier. Currently, we can reveal a baby's heartbeat to a patient who comes into one of our centers between five and six weeks. But most of the patients we see are in that five-week to eight or nine-week window. And I want to share with you this morning an ultrasound that we provided this past year, just so you could come away and share out of this experience. This is an ultrasound of somebody that we saw seven weeks and four days into pregnancy. And it's remarkable what you can see at that stage of pregnancy. You see a beating heart. You see arms and legs beginning to form. This is life. And as you encounter somebody who's facing an unexpected pregnancy, you can say, I've seen an ultrasound in the, in the earliest stages, and it is amazing, it's a miracle, and you can get that at no cost at the Colorado Springs Pregnancy Center. The last thing you should do is pray fervently. When it comes to being a safe place and at the ready place for those in need, be someone of prayer. And now I want to introduce you to a couple by the names of Josh and Elise. And they used these very steps when God had them intersect with a young woman right here in our community who was facing a pregnancy that she wasn't anticipating. Let's watch the screen. God is pretty cool. <laughs> God can use us in amazing ways to help those facing unexpected pregnancies when we listen well, show compassion, offer tangible help, share truth, and pray big. For nothing will be impossible with God. And when Elise was shopping at her favorite grocery store, she didn't have any idea about the divine encounter that was to come. What a gift to be trusted by God to be part of those that God used to save little Ivy. What would it look like for you to boldly pray to be used by God this year to be his hands, his feet, and a Christ-like voice to women and men who need the love of Jesus Christ? Would you pray about being a person that gets involved in the disruptions of others? Pray that God would give you the wisdom, the strength, the discernment, to be a safe person, a safe place for people facing unexpected pregnancies. Perhaps God is leading you to be a part of what God is doing through Life Network and our three pregnancy centers by serving or supporting us. And there are three easy ways that as I close, I wanna share you can do that. The first is to pray. First with the reality that every day there are women vulnerable to and considering abortion in our city. Wake up and pray for them. There's a special opportunity starting next month and you can sign up using the URL uh, or the address behind me, but once a week, we're asking people to sign up and be willing to receive texts where real time you can pray for patients and clients like Cheyenne who are facing the most difficult 
of circumstances. And on that one day, you might get one text, you might get a handful of texts, but these are real-time opportunities to join our team in praying over these circumstances. And you could sign up through that URL or Shelly Busby and I will be in the back afterwards and would love to sign you up for that. Perhaps God is calling you to engage and to volunteer with us. And there are a number of different ways that you can plug in and be trained to be a patient advocate, to come side by side and compassionately help somebody navigate a circumstance that they weren't anticipating. To be trained as a parenting mentor, a parenting coach, would love to talk to you about that. Or maybe to serve in our thrift store. These and other opportunities are available to you. And lastly, everything I've talked about this morning is made possible through the generosity of churches like this one and individuals in our community. And if you feel led above and beyond your tithing obligation here to engage in that way, Shelly and I would love to share information with you about that. In 2023, I pray that God uses you in the disruptions of others to make those holy moments redeemed for his glory. Let me close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this church that you've called to serve our community in so many special ways. And there's such a blessing to our community and to our ministry. I thank you for their heart for life. Father, I would just ask that you would give us compassion for women and men facing disruptions who are living far from you but need to be drawn near to you and shown your love. Help us to pray boldly like Josh and Elise in the face of their challenges, for we know that nothing is impossible with you, God. We ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to our Springs Church podcast. For other exciting content from Springs Church, be sure to visit us online at springs.church. If you'd like to partner financially with Springs Church, you have the opportunity to give by visiting the Give tab of our website, springs.church.